Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Test one, two. Mary had a little lamb. The doctor was surprised. Test, test, one, two. I am excited about this morning uh, because whenever God gives me the opportunity to do what I do, I know that people walk out in more peace than they walked in. Uh, People have different anointings and mandates on their lives, amen? But uh, yeah, I pastored in Lansing, Michigan for nine years uh, back in the 90s, a little church called New Life, and that was awesome, and then moved on from there, and now I'm in Dallas, Texas, uh, leading a ministry called The Safe Place. How many of you know that... uh, You can't heal unless you feel safe. Think about that. The stuff that's in you can't come out if you don't feel like you can be vulnerable and transparent. Now, listen, guys, I know the V word and the T word, that's scary to y'all. I get it. But the reality is, is, is that we have to have a place that we can feel comfortable in to be us. And until we feel that, We don't open up. Does that make sense? So the Bible says the word of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. And that's in the old covenant. In the new covenant, John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled, pitched a tent of flesh and hung out with us, ate, slept, burped, passed gas. Come on. You can laugh. It's okay. Some of you looked at each other like, am I allowed to laugh? Is that okay? Did he really say Jesus tooted? (laughs) Well, you think he just ate that and it just all went away? Come on now. Did you really bring this guy in here to talk about this? Why am I saying that? Because we put him up here so high sometimes It's like we can't reach him. And then we create expectations in our own minds of what he thinks about us and what we should do and what we should be. And that gets us all messed up. And that was the whole reason he came because until Jesus showed up, there wasn't an accurate presentation of who God was until he walked on this earth. So let's not get ourselves all confused and trapped in the same reality that the people had before he came. Let's look at him for who he really is. A human with God strapped to him, walking as Adam did before Adam fell. So he could be the last Adam. And so that guy that pitched a tent of flesh and became us, he is the word. And when we experience him, when we come to life in him, some people call it born again. Some people call it an awakening. When his spirit interfaces with our spirit, that word lives inside of us. I've lived through enough generations of things now, especially the one that everybody running around trying to get a word come on them when the word's in them. The problem is, is we get all this stuff in our mind, will, and emotions, that thing we call the soul, where the presence of God is supposed to come through, that it clouds everything up. And sometimes it takes an outside word to clear that off so the inside word can be felt and experienced and dwelt with on a daily basis. Does that make sense? And so the word in you now is a strong tower. 
You're not looking for him to fall on you. You're looking to manifest through you because the peace and the love and all of who God is resident inside of you. So what we do in those sessions is, is we just clear away the debris so that that can come forward. And sometimes that debris starts way back in life. Now I'm gonna get to my message. Oh, good, they got me on the countdown. Like that worked on Wednesday, but I'm gonna try. (laughs) God's good, isn't he? Now listen, I got a couple of things I wanna say before I actually say what I'm gonna say, and that is this. Moms, you're doing a great job. The fact that you get up every day and breathe with those kids is a testimony to God. And let me tell you something, moms, you always focus, self-analysis brings death because all you can see is the negative that's going on in your life. God analysis always brings life because he focuses on who he knows you to be and where you're going and what he knows. And you're doing a great job. So let me free you up with something here at any age. And dads, you can piggyback on this, but we're talking about moms today. My kids are now 11, 9, and 7. Nobody told me that 1 plus 1 plus 1 is 27 in terms of energy and not 3. My gosh. It's like compounding interest. And so when they were about 7, 5, and 3, my then wife and I would sucker any little young lady that's a teenager in for just a half an hour or an hour to give us a break, which means we couldn't find anybody. (laughs) Even teenagers are smarter than that to hang out with three little kids. But this one day we found one and we got her in the house quicker than she could think and we zipped out to Starbucks and we came back and as we walked up the sidewalk, I said, to, I said to my wife, I said, you hearing that? She said, no. I said, that's exactly right. What's going on? And we walked in and it was quiet. And she's sitting there chewing gum, reading a magazine with her earbuds in. And I'm like, still standing. So I kind of waved at her and she's like, oh, and I'm like, where's the kids? They're in bed. My kids. When they go to bed? Oh, about 15 minutes ago. My kids. Well, pajamas? Yeah, they just went in, got them on. I had to sit down. Couldn't believe this. Toothpaste. Oh, yeah, I just told them and I prayed with them. And so they're asleep. I felt like I wanted to walk back out the house and look at the placard to see if the number was right. This never happens when I'm home. And this really messed with me. Like so much that it like, what am I doing wrong? How in the world can this babysitter do better than I do? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, I mean, it really messed with me. It may not mess with you. It messed with me. And I finally went to prayer on this and I said, God, you got to tell me something. Because I said, I can't figure out how in the world these kids that I'm trying to get to do that when I'm with them 
Just go ahead and do it when I'm not there. And my father spoke to his son and said, son, I want you to hear this, moms. The true reflection of what you're doing in their lives is not when they're with you. It's when they're with others. You will never, son, moms, you will virtually never see them at their best because that's what parenting is. It's to take this raw lump that has attitudes and doesn't want to act right and doesn't want to comply and it's to plant your heart into their hearts, right? And in the midst of you doing that, they're going to be everything but you what you want. The reflection of what goes on in their lives is when they're out from away from you. Because then when you're not with them and they're out there, then guess what they start to do? What do I need to do in this situation? And all of a sudden the, the voice comes in, brush your teeth. Oh, I'm going to brush my teeth. What do I do? Oh, I got to get dressed. What do I do now? Oh, I need to smile. Oh, I need to say please. Oh, I need to say thank you. Oh, I need to listen. Come on, are you here? Listen, moms. You're doing a great job. So adjust the lens of the expectation of yourself. Train up a child in the way they should go. That's down the road. You're in the training, and even if you're out of the training now, there's never a time that's too late to do the right things. If you're down the road and you're hearing this and you're going, well, that's great. Mine are out of the house. Wish I'd have known that when they were 9, 11, and 7. Thanks, blouse. Doesn't matter. It's never too late to pick up a phone. It's never too late. To try and, until you breathe your last breath, you are still the only mom in their lives. Yeah, they may have a mother-in-law. Yeah, they may have this one that's a mother figure. You are mom. Listen, your heart and their hearts. God showed me this. Now I'm a dad, but it works for moms. Their hearts have ears that are only tuned to your sound. They can have a thousand other people that they respect as a mom or a mom figure or this or that and do, but only your voice did God put ears in their hearts to hear and tune to his mom. Are you hearing me? Listen, you're doing a great job. God sent me this morning to encourage you and say, you're doing a great job. So if he thinks you're doing a great job and have done a great job, then who are you to have a lens that he doesn't have that makes you feel condemned about? You don't understand. I've blown it. Okay, so have I. There's not a week that goes by I don't look at my kids and ask them to forgive me. Not a week. Sometimes not a day. So you get it right. You keep their hearts. You keep moving. Come on, are you here? So I want, I want us to bow our heads again. And I'm going to pray into this with you guys.
If you're a mom, I want you to grab a hand of somebody beside you. If you're here by yourself, I don't care. Grab a hand. If you're, if you're a mom, you squeeze the hand of the person beside you. We are going to pray all heaven into you today. I want us to pray this together, and then I'm going to pray for you. Moms, pray this with me. Jesus, by an act of my will, I choose to release my children and the weight of their lives to you. Their attitudes, their actions, their reactions, their decisions, their lives, all the weight of them. You're God. I'm not. You be responsible for them, Lord. I let that weight go. In Jesus' name. Now let's pray for all our moms. Father, right now, I just pray, God, for all the moms in this house right now. We pray all heaven down on them and into them. Father, I want you to just encourage them today. I want you to just help them to know how precious they are, the gifts that you've given them, the life that they're instilling in their kids. Father, I pray that you will speak truth to each mom today to destroy all the works of the wicked one in their thinking today, Lord. In every place where there's a lie that they're believing about themselves and who they are and how they are. Jesus, right now, you are the truth giver because you are truth and your spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus, right now, begin to speak truth into the hearts and minds of these moms right now. To set them free so that they walk out with a different lens than what they walked in today. Not thinking of all the negatives, but Lord, seeing all the positives. Father, we declare it and we decree it in Jesus' name and we count it done. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles. Did you ever drink water out of a fire hydrant? Some will get in you, most will get on you. John 16, 33. John 16, 33. John 16, 33 says this. Life does not read your Bible. Is that not in your Bible? Well, that's the Nathan Blouse translation. Life does not read your Bible. But let's read what it actually says. See, there was this very profound humanitarian that lived 2,000 years ago. And he had this to say. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now watch this. In this world you will have tribulation. Let's just stop there. In this world, you will have tribulation. God. Today, I want to adjust some lenses. It's what I do. To bring some hope and some life. Because how many of you know, if I believe that I need to be perfect, I'm going to live a tormented life. It's amazing how many people sit in a room with me and it comes out that they... They are struggling because they just 
can't be perfect. And I then say for 20 plus years, what does that look like? Tell me what that picture of perfection looks like once you hit it so you'll know you've arrived. Creaky, 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 creaky. They go, I don't know, I never thought of that. Well, how do you know you'll ever reach it? Isn't that a tormenting way to live life? And then on the other side of it, if they do hit what they think is perfection, they can't celebrate it because all they've done is meet the requirement. Isn't that a horrible way to live? To know that you got straight A's, but you can't really get excited about it because it's expected. What a horrible way to live life. See, so this morning, we're gonna adjust some lenses because when Jesus says, in this life, you'll have many trials and tribulations and sufferings, that's distress, that's the amplified version, by the way. Some of us, according to our backgrounds, wanna just tear that part out of our Bibles. Can't get no help here today. That's okay, I'm used to it. Because we believe that we are saved, sanctified, and some of us filled with the Holy Ghost, Shundai. I have a little thing to say to you. In this world, in this life, life doesn't read your Bible. In this world, in this life, let's say it this way, in this human family, in this world of human affairs, that changes a little bit, doesn't it? You will have trials, testings, suffering. Let me just break it down a little further for you. In this life, you'll have distress. These are all words associated with that tribulation, okay? In this life, you'll have distress, meaning extreme anxiety, sorrow, and pain. Can I get an amen? Oh, so we all are part of the human race, okay. I walk into some churches where you'd think that, you know, they just eat and nothing comes out, you know? I mean, they're just... Because everybody's part of the first church of the fine, right? How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm fine. Well, glory to God. And we walk out, we drive down the road, somebody cuts in front of us, and we speak in tongues at them. I mean, it's not fine. Oh, I know, y'all more spiritual than me, so you pray for me because I'm not there yet. In this life, you'll have affliction. Affliction is something that causes pain or suffering. Can I get an amen? Ah. You know what I've realized about pain? It's non-denominational. We ought to be unified in Jesus, right? But we're not. But we are unified in pain. Because when I pray with Catholics, they're in pain. When I pray with Methodists, they're in pain. When I pray with atheists, they're in pain. And wouldn't you know, the universal pain reliever, Jesus Christ, not bear, not Tylenol, Jesus shows up and they get out of pain. It's an amazing thing. But I digress. In this life, you'll have oppression, meaning prolonged, cruel, or unjust treatment or control. Can I get an amen? Hmm. 
In this life, you'll have tribulation, a cause of great trouble or suffering, unhappiness, sadness, heartache, woe, grief, sorrow, anguish, and agony. Anybody ever watch Hee Haw, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark, depression, glorious misery, oh! And for those of you that didn't have no idea what I just said, you can YouTube it. In this life, you'll have dire straits. Situations characterized by a specific degree of trouble or difficulty, a predicament, a crisis, a plight, or a mess. Praise God. Anybody have a mess? Good, because you have a messiah. Like how I did that? My God. My kids go, Dad. Just one of your dumb dad jokes, Dad. Listen, if you have a mess, I have good news today. There is a Messiah, and once he's there in your mess, you will have a message. Come on, are you here? Here's why. It's so important to understand that the world, the human family, the the affairs of the human race does not read your Bible. Because at three years old, when that happened to you, life happened. At 63, when that happened to you, life happened. Come on, are you here? At this age, in that age, in this situation, the human condition, life, does not read your Bible. Why is that so important to start out with? Because some of you are sitting here in real torment of soul and upset with God because you have a wrong lens. See... If you look at it like this, picture this right here being a road. And on the sides of every road are two ditches. And some of us grew up in backgrounds that said explicitly, complicitly, completely and totally that now that I'm saved, now that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, now that I've memorized all these scriptures, if I will just pray and declare and believe, yada, 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 no evil shall befall my house. I will not dash my feet on the rocks. Life didn't read your Bible. It didn't understand what you were saying. And so to extremely live here when life runs over you means you're going to have a crisis of faith. Come on, hold on with me, okay? I'm worth waiting on here. I'm trying to help somebody. But it also doesn't mean that I need to live on this side in this ditch like a monk suffering and believing that it should just happen to me All the time. The gloom, the despair. See, listen, all those things I read, we've all experienced them. Faith 
is not acting like these things aren't happening. It's acknowledging these things are happening. This one. But how do I get out of here to here? See, every truth of the kingdom has two ditches. And there's this tension between the two ditches that God wants us to stay on this road of life with the one who is life. Now, you didn't hear me. So what we need to understand here from the beginning is this. God is not in control. He is sovereign. He is not in control. Boy, I just heard a lot of gears just... If he's in control, then he's okay with genocide in Africa. If he's in control, then he's okay with all the abortions all over the world. If he's in control, come on. If he's in control, then he's okay with a growing multi-billion dollar industry of trafficking of women and sex slave with children. You can't have it both ways. You can't pick and choose, well, God's sovereignty. Well, you know, we j-. No, 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 no. The one that slung all the universes with all his power and his words, he's either in control or he's not. He's not in control. He is sovereign. His will will be done. And he's got the luxury of time because he doesn't live in it. We relegate everything about God to time and space, but he's eternal. If all around this podium is eternity, this podium is time and space. God moves in and out of time and space eternally. He sees from the end to the beginning all happening now. That hurt. Let me ask you this, just more thought. God never took Adam's mandate away from him. Through the law, through not the law, whatever you believe, to get you to hear the mandate of Adam on the earth was he was have to, he was to have dominion and put it means to put the earth down. Where God gets in control is where we allow him in our lives to have control. But the rest of the human race doesn't. So, years ago, my mom, when I was a teenager, had gotten a brand new Ford Escort powder blue station wagon. It was okay. And she let me drive it. I was like 17. Now, the road that we live on 
it literally, when you got to the main road, which was uh, not the highway out here, 23, but a step down from that, just a two lane, but lots of traffic, you know, angled like this. Literally, your car sat like this to get onto the road. And it's later at night, and I go to pull out, and the car just goes, Pfft. and I'm sitting this way across both lanes. And it's later at night, so there's not a lot of traffic. And I'm a little bit unusual to some people. When I get in an emergency situation, I gear down. I don't rev up. I live life revved up, so I gear down. I don't know, but that's just the way. I, I shh, Okay, we got this. Yeah. So I put it in park, turn it over, click, 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 click. And off in the distance, I can see light coming because it's night. And I'm like, ah, we got this, you know, click, 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 click. Now the light is getting brighter. I can actually see the words on the dashboard in the car, right? And so I throw it into neutral. I think maybe we can do that. Click, 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 click. Now I am freaking out. Because <laughs> it's all lit up like a Christmas tree inside the, the, the car. And, and I go to open my mouth and this guttural sound comes out that I can't even make, and with it is the word Jesus. And as I say that, all of a sudden the car starts rolling back. Like two big burly guys are on the front end of it. I mean, it just starts rolling. Not real fast, but it starts rolling. Rolls back past the one lane, shoo, there go the cars. And I'm going, huh. Now keep in mind, we're not just rolling back, right? We, we get to the other side. We are still rolling, folks. Up the incline. The cars go by. I put the brake on. We rolled right up to where, like, five feet. I probably should have just left it keep rolling to see where we'd end up, right? And I, my first thought was, but me. <laughs> so I turn the light on, like, you know, the adrenaline. My foot's still glued to the brake. I look down. I hadn't put it in neutral. I put it in drive. There was no physical, logical way that any of that could have ever happened. God's sovereign, and in my life, He's in control. But then I'm in college, right? And I go on an internship to a church in Lincoln, Nebraska. And they say, hey, one thing, I'm in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's my junior year in Bible school. And they say, one thing, you're going to need a vehicle. Hey, no problem. Hang up. I ain't got a vehicle. <laughs> All right, God, I don't know what we're going to do. So supernaturally in my family with my grandparents who could never have ever wanted to know God whatsoever... I'm the first godly seed in the blouse line eight generations back. All of a sudden, I get a call. Hey, I hear you need a car. Sure. <laughs> Wealth of the wicked, praise God. I'm sorry. I'm just, this is the way my mind works. I'm like, Holly. Well, come and get it. We, we want to give you our, uh, it was a Volkswagen Rabbit. 
And um, man, I got that thing and I cleaned it all up. And I, I, they smoked, so I, I literally undid all the trim and the car seat. I mean, I stripped that thing down to metal, buffed it all out, drove it up to their house, and they're like, Whose car is that? I'm like, Mine? We, did we give you? Yeah. And you can see the wheels turning, like, Why did we give him that car like that? Oh, I know where I am. So, same intersection, right? Drive it, drive that, drive that rabbit. Now, this is a few years later. Drive that rabbit down to right there. I'm waiting to turn out. And, and a 93 year old woman that can't see out of either eye <laughs> takes the, I'm being honest now, big old Oldsmobile or something, takes it wide, hits me right right there because you know rabbits ain't real big right there unibody i mean the worst place sends the whole car four feet to the right sends me flying what just happened suffering distress i prayed that day I pray God's protection. Life didn't read my Bible that day. Starting to get this? When we first got married, we had some debt. Praise God for Dave Ramsey. And we're digging in. And there was a day where I got a phone call and $5,000 of our debt was just canceled. My son's four months old. My wife's in bed for three days with migraine headaches. We get her to the hospital. She's prone to migraines anyways. I take my son to our friends so that I can focus on my wife. And as I'm driving back, I, I get a call from the ER doctor. Mr. Blouse, where are you? Now, there's certain tones. I don't know if you've had this happen in life, but there's certain tones like, honey, I need to talk to you. That's a pregnant tone. <laughs> By the third one, I was like, really? <laughs> Mr. Blouse, where are you? I'm staring at the building. Please get in here. Walk in, Mr. Blouse, your wife has a brain mass. What? We're just right now trying to determine whether we're air flighting her to the neurological center in Fort Worth or we're going to drive her there. And on the way there, how many of you know, life didn't read my Bible that day. Because every day I declare all heaven over my family. I pray a hedge of protection. I do all the things I was taught to do. I eat my spiritual Wheaties. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a child of God. Dear God, I am ministering for you, changing lives. Thank, did you not see that? See, life does not read your Bible. So what is the constant? Jesus. 
Jesus in the good times with the miracles. Jesus in the bad times. Let not your hearts be troubled. In this life, you're going to have life run over you. Be of good cheer. Be confident. Be steadfast. Be undaunted. Why? Because I have overcome this world. But here's the thing, by default, and if I live in you, you are overcomers also. But that doesn't mean that we're going to camp out in this ditch and go, Kumbaya, my Lord. Life isn't always warm fuzzies. Come on, are you here? No matter what we do, no matter what we pray, so what is the anchor? Jesus, right in the middle of it. Because when we got to the neurological center, and I was all messed up, I laid on the gurney with my wife, and it was one in the morning, and at six in the morning, these, this couple that I gave our son to was going to work. And I said, sweetheart, I've got to leave. And there was just a thin crack of light in the door. It was dark. They had given her Dilaudid. It was the first time in four days she had any relief. She said, would you pray? And our pastor had been there to pray. We were supported. And I said, sure, I'll pray. And I don't remember what I prayed. But all I remember is, is that when I opened my eyes, there was a mirror in front of me. And Jesus was holding both of us. And he said, Nate, I was with you when you found out. I'm with you now. I'll be with you through all of it. What did he do? He just pulled me out of the ditch and stuck me back on the road. Life does not read your Bibles, but the one who is life will keep you out of both ditches. Come on, are you here? There are highs and there are lows, but if we learn to let Jesus be the anchor, we will walk through it in peace. Jesus, it was in his ministry, guys. Jesus walks into this room and there's a pool. People in anxiety and suffering all over the place. He walks through all these people suffering to one man. Heals one man. Turns around. Let's them all lay there and walks out with that one man. Jesus did this. Then we go over here and the scriptures read. Jesus went to this town and healed everyone. See, we want to develop a theology based on just all the nothing's wrongs. Life doesn't read your Bible. So when it runs over you, you have a crisis of faith. Listen, in the in-between times in your life, how many of you are into math? So in geometry, they have these things called postulates. A postulate is something that always happens but can't be proven. 
Like, the shortest distance between two dots is a straight line. That can't be proven, but it happens every time. It's a postulate. There are postulates with God. He's good. I can't prove that, but it's him every time. Another postulate of God is love. I can't prove it, but it's the way he is all the time. Another postulate of God is he is faithful. I can't prove it. I can't linearly dissect it and and, and create a scientific method of hypothesis for it. But it works every time. So what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. In between the storms, you have to dig deep into your relationship with God. And you've got to decide in the moments where there isn't a storm, if God really is good, if he really is love, if he really is faithful. Why? Because when the storm rolls in, you don't have time in that moment to know God is good when everything's not going good. You don't have time to know God is love when everything is not being loving. Your spouse, your kids, the world, your boss, life running over you. You don't have time in that moment. And that's what creates the crisis of faith that shipwrecks your life on the rocks of life. You have to know that when the storm is raging... And Jesus truly is in the bow of the boat, sleeping while the boat's doing this. And people who are professional sailors are coming to Jesus screaming, wake up! He's asleep in the middle of a storm that professional sailors know they're going to die. What'd you wake me up for? Oh, do you normally sleep like this? And he gets up, he walks out, and he goes, Hey! Knock it off! And the wind looks at the lightning and goes, Crap, God was in the boat and we knew it not. (laughs) We're sorry, we're sorry. (laughs) Didn't know you were in there. In their suffering, that Jesus ganked them back into the middle of the road, that even the wind and the waves obeyed him. But watch this. Paul's on a boat. It's going down. And Paul tells the people, hey, I met with Jesus. Boat's done. That's a swear word for you. I apologize. Darn. Shoot. If it was me, I'd be going. I know y'all more spiritual than me. You pray for me, okay? Because. your life. 
So are we to pray for the leukemia person? Absolutely. Because we, with God in us, are in control. We change things. God's not in control. He's given all authority to us to represent him here. But when it doesn't work the way we think it should, Jesus is still in your boat. Because the bottom line to the kingdom is peace. And I don't have time to preach this. And I'm finally coming to the end. Yeah, amen. (laughs) The word peace here in the Greek means safety, security, prosperity, and felicity. Why in the world, pastor, did they put a female's name there to felicity? Really? Like Sarah, Barb, felicity? I had to look that one up. It means intense happiness. Some of us, our faces forgot that peace is inside of us because you ain't been happy in years. I believe that Jesus was the most smiling joker on the planet. Why? Because he is peace. He didn't bring peace. He's living peace. Here's what I know. I know that when Jesus showed up in that vision, I had peace. I know that when I found out that one of my kids was molested, I could anchor in peace. I know that when I got a knock at the door and I got papers that changed my world and didn't see it coming, I found peace because I determined that he is who he is before I walked into these things. And if my whole world fell apart and I lost it all, give me Jesus because that's okay. But some of you are not there. Some of you are broken and hurting and you haven't been able to get there to say and determine that this is the way God's character and nature is. And that's okay. Because some of you need to forgive God today because he has not met your expectations and your soul is shipwrecked. God's still in there. He didn't, oh, okay, he's gonna be mad at me. I'm jumping out his body. Hmm. He doesn't do that. He's faithful. Even when we as children think we're pushing him away, Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. I cannot get away. (laughs) Mercy is running after me and goodness, get away from me. And if I stop, they run right over me. Come on, are you here? Listen, you, to close this down, in this life, there is all this mess. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Listen, Listen. You're not an overcomer until something comes right up over you 
that you got to take Jesus by the hand and he needs to pull you out from under it and even carry you out from under it so that he can set you back up, dust you off, get your head squared away so then you can say, I am now an overcomer. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He knows everything you've been through. He's felt everything you feel. When the Bible says that he was in the garden in anguish of soul, that word anguish there is where we get our root words for anxiety and depression. When he determined to say, never, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, that wasn't flippant. His soul ran over him that night in the garden. That's why when he went to the cross and it says that he bore our sorrow and he carried our grief, that's not just words. He literally did it because he felt everything that you are feeling and will feel. He is here today wanting to release you from the weight of that that's over you. But you gotta forgive him. Your head's never gonna need to forgive him because it's not offended, but your heart, the emotional part of you, if your head lets your heart out for a minute, your heart could be as mad as a hornet or as disappointed as dirt. And if it's not him, it may be somebody else today. Maybe yourself. So Jesus, right now, show each one of us who we need to forgive. Show each one of, if, if it's you, help us to be honest in our hearts. I'm upset with you, God. I believe, I declared. You didn't come through. He's not nervous. My kids get upset with me. I just pull them in and hug them. He's doing that right now. So whoever it is, we're gonna pray this together right now. Just say this with me. And if nobody's coming to mind, this isn't your time, just pray it with us. Encourage the person beside you. Just say this with me, Jesus by an act of my will, I choose to forgive you for not meeting my expectations. I forgive myself for these things that I'm blaming, regretting, resenting, and beating myself up about. I forgive this person for the things that they did and they said in my life and I release all these things to you Jesus with all the hurt all the pain all the guilt the shame the disappointment the rejection 
and the betrayal. And I let it all go. Now we're going to pray this and we'll be done. I'm going to ask Jesus to show each one of you something from life that ran over you and it's still, it's still weighing on you. Maybe it was finances. Maybe it was a broken marriage. Maybe it was a loss of someone. Maybe you're still carrying your kids in a way that just creates weight. Jesus wants to carry the weight. You may not do anything different than what you're doing, but inside you'll have peace and you'll have a grace to be able to keep doing what you need to do. There may be even a joy that comes into it again. So let's pray this together. Let me, let me just do this. Jesus, show each one of your sons and daughters something that they're carrying, a situation or a person that you're going, I never ask you to carry that. I never ask you to carry that load. My yoke is easy for you. My burden is light. Let me, give me your burden. Cast your care to me. Show them, Lord, each one of them. Now, again, if this isn't for you, just pray it with us because I can already see on a lot of faces that it is for some. Let's just say this together. Jesus, by an act of my will, I cast this burden and this care to you. I release it to you with all the weight that it carries in my life. By an act of my will, I release this person, their attitudes, their words, their actions, their reactions, their decisions, their life. I release it to you with all the weight of it. You be God. You be responsible for him. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to just lift your hands to heaven. Because Jesus doesn't want to just clean the garbage out. He wants to fill, fill you up with his truth. Jesus, right now, what truth do you want each one of your sons and daughters to know? We just open ourselves to you. If, if they're a thinker, give them a thought, Lord, and help them to just connect to that thought of your truth and your goodness in their life. If they feel, Lord, then, then, then Lord, give them a feeling of your truth. Just help them to feel your presence and, and the truth of what you're saying. If they hear, help them to hear a word or a phrase or a statement from you right now, Lord. Let my, let my words, my voice back away and let your voice come in. Jesus, if they see inside, give them a picture of your truth, what you want them to carry with them through this next week and through life. Lord, speak truth to them in that picture. Establish your kingdom in this place in them. For yours, Lord, yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory right now and forevermore in Jesus' name. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, 
We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.